Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. This is important, and I've given a few minutes in this here so we can still get you out on time. I got it all planned. We were right on time for the first, so we should be right on schedule for this. But this is very heavy on my heart. The president of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada may be watching us also this morning. Our good friend Bruce Cleminger up in Ottawa represents the Christian church in parliament and tries to lobby for many things that are going on with inside of our nation here today. I was with him in a meeting. He sat right next to me up in Jackson Point with denominational leaders from all across Canada. And one of the things we covered was the assisted suicide, Bill C-14. The much-anticipated legislation on physician-assisted suicide. The EFC of Canada summarized the bill this year way. The legislation would allow euthanasia as well as assisted suicide for persons who are 18 years or older with a serious and incurable illness, disease, or disability, in an advanced state of irreversible decline, and for whom death is reasonably foreseeable. There is good news and there's bad news in this. The good news is the legislation did not apply to some of the controversial recommendations of the parliamentary committee, such as access to assisted suicide for mature minors. Thank you to all who had signed up to send cards and letters and visited MPs. It's clear efforts have made a difference on that. The bad news is that legislation still opens the doors to government-sanctioned killing. If CC14 passes, this killing would be at taxpayer's expense. In addition, a glaring omission of C14 is that it does not provide protection for the conscious rights of medical practitioners. That speaks of doctors and nurses who will be forced to apply the injections in to take out these lives. No protection at this point. And this is very disturbing as both taxpayers and medical practitioners would be forced to participate in the intentional killing of other Canadians if this bill is passed. It has been reported that the Liberal government will allow a free vote on C-14. This means the bill could still be overthrown if enough Canadians lift their voice. Firsthand, from my friend Bruce, there has been little, if any, churches speaking out and crying out on this here issue outside of the Catholic Church. They're the only ones. And it's been more of the hierarchy that has shared. What can we do? What, what will this mean? What will this happen? That means that good men and good women, doctors, people in those positions that work in the staffs, that refuse could actually be terminated from their positions as the bill goes. Okay? I'm just going to state this. When I was a teenager just growing up, when Roe versus Wade came in, what they did was the same thing they did here to get it in, abortion. They brought abortion in by showing rape and ancestral relationships of offspring that came in. 
and they painted the picture of the worst case scenarios. Now many don't know that 40 some years ago in the 60s when that whole decision came up because here you are now almost 50 years later and now all you know is abortion on demand and it's my right. And, and if I'm in a relationship and we want to terminate that pregnancy, then we can do it. And in our nation, you can go all the way up to almost full term. Are you all there? And, and many aren't even aware of the ratifications of what that's done with inside of our nation. But that's how it started was the worst case. And that's exactly here. And already writings that I'm learning of people that are concerned about dementia and Alzheimer's, now they're putting in applications now because they want to be, as soon as it hits, that they could be killed too. Okay? And we don't understand the sanctity of life that God has. I believe as a church we need to fall on our faces and repent for not being the restorers of the breaches and healing the sick and delivering people. Come on now. That's what our job is and responsibility is. But in the meantime, we're at a crossroads here in the nation. So there is something that every one of us can do. I was literally blown away at the response that I had at the 9 a.m. service today. And you that are watching by live stream also, listen to what we can do to make a difference. We can call Justin Trudeau, the Reverend Honorable Justin Trudeau's number at his office at Parliament. We can call the Minister of Health who is propagating this thing, the Honorable Jane Philpotts, as well as the Minister of Justice, Honorable Jody Wilson-Raybould. I have all the numbers as well as your federal MP. Come on. I was told that with a couple hundred more, we can make a difference from my friend, Faitine Crisco. Many of you know her of My Canada. You can go on to My Canada. That's where I get this. They represent us up there as well as the EFC. So what we have, I had to run more copies from the service. I had 500 printed up, but we had to copy more because we ran out from the first service alone this morning. So if you say, I'm willing to make four calls, take about 20 minutes of your time. Do not be ignorant. Do not be belligerent. Be all protocol. Could you kind of get this message to Reverend, or, or to the uh, respectable, honorable Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, that we are against Bill C-14 for this reason. We believe in the sanctity of human life, okay? And if you are going to pass this honorable, would you at least put a stipulation in that our caregivers, our doctors, who are incredible men and women across our land, that have a conviction and a conscience, as well as our nurses and others, that they would be protected from uh, officiating what we call this here's assisted suicide. Amen? I cannot remain silent because I know what the future of our land is going to bring when we kill the innocent. Are you all there? And it goes not just from the critical cases you've heard, but it'll just be like, man, we can balance the budget. We can do all these other things. Why? Because there's no more checks. Don't have to put the health care up and everything else by killing the elderly out there. The most sacred in all the society. Wow, wow, wow. WCF, thank you. I'm proud of you. All that are watching by live stream, all that information is online. And we just encourage you to go to mycanada.org and just check it all out. All there. You can type in your, your member of parliament. We've done that for the people here in Essex County. But you can type it in. And I encourage you, let's be a voice that will make a difference in the nation of Canada. 
Thank you to each one of you today. God bless you. Amen. Are we all ready for the word today? Glory. Hallelujah. Kathy and I have started a series on faith. We've talked about the first week on faith, foolishness, and presumption. We understand that faith is not a concept. We understand that faith is not an experience. We understand that faith is not a movement. Faith is not a cause. But our faith, listen very careful, is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one that we become acquainted with through his word. He's the one that we put knowledge in. He's the one that is our hope. He's the one that's our rock. He's the one that's our deliverer. He's the one that's our fortress. He's the one that is the author of eternal life. He's the savior of mankind. He's the deliverer of mankind. He's the healer of mankind. He's the healer of broken hearts. He's the healer of relationships. And he's the hope of the future for this world that we live in in today that is on a course to put him out, but we have a job to put him in as number one across our nation. Amen? Faith is what gives your, gets your prayer answered. The Bible says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe. Believe what? That he is faithful to perform his word because you know him. Believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. It tells us we resist, we stand, we oppose the enemy of our soul who is called the adversary. It says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, your opponent, your enemy walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How do you resist him? By holding up the shield of faith and say what God's word has to say in spite of what the assault is against your mind, your will, your thoughts, your emotions, and your body. The word of God teaches us that we overcome the world by faith. Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Listen, there's a champion on the inside of you in the very blueprint of your nature that was meant to overcome, not be the victim, but to be the victor, not to be the shameful, but to be the shameless. Why? Because you understand the identity of who it is that he has made you. God is not ashamed to call you his brother. He's not ashamed to call you his sister today. Glory to God. We receive forgiveness of sin by faith. Freedom from spiritual death by faith. Access to the throne of God by faith. Purify, cleansing our hearts by faith. We have peace with God, therefore now being justified by faith. We have not going to get, we have faith with God. Faith in God. Everybody say amen. See, there's a calling that's going out from Windsor, Ontario today. An invitation to what? To a new inheritance, to his power, his might, his body. God has called you to be in victory, not defeat. He's called you to be in liberty, not, not bondage. He's called you to be in boldness, not timidity. To be strong in the Lord, not the weakness of the flesh. To have backbone, not wishbone. To stand, not quit. To aggress, not retreat or back down. To tear down the strongholds that have been built up by the religious spirit in our land and in our minds and not build them up. To serve, not be catered to. To move, not sit. To love, not hate. To be warriors, not cowards. To be overcomers, not the overcomers come to be winners not losers positive not negative encouragers not discouragers active not passive doers of the word not just hearers prosperity not debt health not sickness faith not double mindedness lenders not bowers bless not curse obey and not eat and not disobey and be devoured to the abundant life not sorrow and misery to heaven not hell to forgive not resent to give not hoard to repent and not make excuses to glory not 
shame, but ultimately to himself, not to the world or its ways, to arise and go forth, not to sit down and sleep, but to be Christians, not religious, but relationship, not legalist, but relationship because we're acquainted and we know the God of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Until you understand this basic fundamental of what I'm going to teach you this morning, your faith will be in vain. Until you get a grip of this here, today, of the ingredients of faith, your life will never be the same if you understand it. We talk about, number one, being in trust with God. But reality is, how can you trust someone unless you're first acquainted with the one you trust? So number one is knowledge. Number two, uh, number one is acquaintance with God. The Bible teaches us, my people, everybody say my people, are destroyed. What does the word destroy mean? They cease, they're literally cut off. It means they perish. One translation actually says they remain silent because they don't know what to say. Another translation, and forgive me for saying it, but it's in the Bible dictionary, it means to be dumb. It means they, hence, to fail or they perish. And isn't it amazing because of lack of knowledge? It didn't say they didn't have knowledge. They had some knowledge, but they had lack of knowledge. And lack of knowledge means deficient, missing pieces of information. What is the area that we want to focal, the focal point of where we want to go on this morning? I want you to put John chapter 17 in the Amplified Bible, verse 25 and 26 up on the screen for everybody so we can see it. The scriptures teach us in John chapter 17, 3, this is eternal life. What is eternal life? To know him. How many know when we know God, we recognize God, we're acquainted with God, how many know we're tapping in now to what they call eternal life? Come on. See, see. 20-some years ago, 27 years ago, I was getting acquainted with a young lady in this here church. And this young lady was one of uh, 7 billion on the planet that I actually wanted to know and get acquainted with. But how many know when you've been broken and you have mistrust operating in your life, then you have to come to a place of acquaintance before you can trust. You young people, you that are watching today, listen, because somebody, they just tell you, I want you to trust me. And you don't even know what their background is because you've never been acquainted with them. So Pastor Rick would get on the phone. Can you imagine this? And spend up to two, three hours on the phone with her a day. Now, if you know anything about me, if you get me two or three minutes, you're on a roll. But two to three hours, okay? I'm a texter. I'd rather text and just say what I got to say in a text than get on the phone with you for not two hours. Come on. Can you all say amen? amen? But there was something that I wanted to know about her. I wanted to get acquainted with her. And I found out that, that from her friends, found out from the people in her church, I found out more information about her but then I needed to get acquainted with her. Well, how many know God wants to acquaint us with himself? 
And I'm going to show you that in the book of Exodus chapter 34. As a matter of fact, the Lord comes down and he reveals himself to Mo. And this is what God has to say. And, and Well, actually, let me go to John 17, okay? I got to start here. I'm all over the map. That's okay. Okay, here's what Jesus Come on. Oh, Justin, righteous Father, although the world has not known you and has failed to recognize you and has never what? Come on. Acknowledge you. I have known you continually. So apparently, Jesus had knowledge of his Father. Apparently, he was quite acquainted with his Father. Come on. And, and, and when we speak of this here, listen, listen very carefully. It's not an impersonal thing. It's personal knowledge. And it says, and these men understand and know that you have sent me. So they knew that much already. But then look at this next verse. It says over here. And I have, come on, I have made what? Come on. Your name known to them and revealed what? Your character and what else? Your very self. So if you, if you have any hesitancy about the Father God, all you have to do is look at the Son. And that'll stop it. You know, people say he did wicked things. He, you know, God used it. God, God sent the tornado to just destroy all these here families because they're such wicked sinners. And yet Jesus stood against the tornado. So if it was the Father that sent it, what did the Son have to do dealing with what the Father sent? And then we have another description. That, come on, church. Either he's the good shepherd or he's an evil shepherd. I choose to believe what the Bible said. He's the good shepherd. Okay, we're going to go there in a moment. But this is so important that you understand this. If he wanted you to be sick and he wanted you to be broke, then why did the Son of God become poor at Calvary? And why did they throw lots for his outfits that the poor of the society didn't wear during that day? Seamless robe. I'm not going to develop all that. But Jesus wasn't a poor man. Why? Because if he was poor, then how did he help the poor? He actually had a treasure that helped the poor during that time. That goes against the religious mindset today. But my Bible says, but my desire above all things is that thou mayest prosper, have a good journey in life, and, and that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. So that's what the New Testament, 2 John 3, 2, actually brings, 3 John 2 actually tells us today. But here's the key. It says, your character and your very self, and I will continue to what? Come on, make you known that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them, left in their hearts, and that I myself may be in them. Come on now. So I mean, no, God lives in the inside of us today. The Father lives in you, the Son lives in you, the Holy Spirit. Come on, they're all in there today. The fullness of the God that dwells inside of each one of us. We understand that as a positional truth in Christ. So Jesus now tells us, okay, that I have made your name. So every name in the Bible is a revelation of that aspect of God's character to you and I. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 9, uh, Deuteronomy 7, verse number 9, and we're going to start there. 7, verse number 9, first and foremost. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Everybody say it. Come on. Understand. Now here's, understand this. The word understand means to perceive something. Kathy right now can perceive where I'm going because she's had, she knows exactly where I'm going. Marilyn would know where I'm going right now. Donna would know where I'm going. They perceive. They have knowledge of things. It means to put the pieces together in your mind now where there's no more questioning and there's no more uncertainty. 
In other words, all the questions are now answered and resolved. And this is what God means now when he says, know this in the King James, understand this in the New Living. He says, therefore, come on, that the Lord your God is indeed God. Now, now here it is now. He's telling you his blueprint. He's telling you who he is. And this is the first name that he mentions now as the covenant God. He is what? Come on, the faithful God. Come on, the number one thing that God wants you to be acquainted with above all the knowledge you could have of God, the number one thing that he wants you to know to come into this acquaintance with him is that he is trustworthy, is that he is reliable, is that he is steadfast, is that he is sure. Come on. It's not trying God's becoming acquainted with this aspect of the nature of God. I got 40 years on this here path, and I can tell you there's never been a time that God has ever showed himself unfaithful. Even though at times I have felt faithless, he still remains faithful. Come on. So when that hit me 40 years ago, I believed that I could depend in this person. I didn't know God is just an experience I knew God as a person, and I learned about his voice. I learned about his ear. I learned about the atmosphere that he desires. I learned about his ways. I learned about his actions. I learned about, I, I learned about what his heart was, and asked God to make that my heart. Come on now. And so, so when you understand this, that God is a faithful God, and it says, who keeps what does he keep? Come on, his covenant. Apparently, we have a covenant with God. Did you ever wonder when we break bread at communion? This is the new covenant in my blood. So we have a covenant with God today. Did you know in that covenant, his enemies are now your enemies. And your enemies are now his enemies. Did you know that? Did you know there's not just a covenant of forgiveness that God says in this covenant, I'll remember their sins no more. How many know God doesn't have memory of your sins, your past sins? You say, how does he do that? He's God, come on. But I understand this here, that he's not here tormenting me or, or accusing me of things that have been confessed, forsaken, and moving on in life now. Come on. That's what they call the accuser of the brother. So he keeps his covenant of, look what it says, for a thousand generations. Listen, listen, it's not just to the three generations that are represented, or some even in the fourth generations represented here today, but he keeps his covenant, listen, to a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those, come on, that love him and what else? And obey his commandment. Now, this is huge. This is huge. This is huge that you understand this here. Because people will use this and they'll say, well, that, that's Old Testament. Let me give you the New Testament doctor of divinity. His name is Dr. W. E. Vines. And his dictionary, expository dictionary of New Testament words has been probably one of the best-selling of all the dictionaries of Bible because of its accuracy, because of the research and the understanding of the history and the languages that he wrote about in the Aramaic that was the common language that Jesus spoke. And Dr. Vine says this here. He says, faith that's mentioned 245 times in the Bible, he said, faith is a firm 
persuasion of God's evidence of truth. In other words, it's not just a hoping, not just a wishing, not just going back and forth out there. As a matter of fact, the Bible says when you, when you, when you pray and you ask God, it said, let him ask in faith. For he says, for a double-minded man, come on, is unstable, unsteadfast, in not some of his ways, but in all of his ways. In other words, it's going to show itself with cracks in every area and detail of their life. Come on. So he said it's a firm persuasion. See, we talk about Abraham, okay? Abraham, before he ever believed the promise of God, he got acquainted with God that made the promise. He became familiar with God. He became familiar with God's voice. He became familiar with God's ways. And acquaintance means to make more familiar with, to become aware of, to become informed of. And then the Bible says that when God came down, he proclaimed, in Exodus 34, 7, he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And this is what's totally amazing. The word proclaim means I'm introducing myself. Exodus, put it up there, if you will, 34, 7. God, God proclaiming now, he's introducing his very name to you and I. Look, look, look at this here, Exodus 34, 7. I lavish un, what is it, unfailing love to what? A thousand, what else does God to do? I forgive iniquity, what else? Rebellion and sin, but I do not excuse, come on, the guilty, I lay the sins of the, come on, the parents upon their children. I was in India with Kathy, quite a few, was it India? Where were we at, Kathy? We were in Coimbatore, and when we were there, this guy came up to us at a restaurant, and, and somehow we knew he was on the other side of the restaurant we were at. And somehow he knew that we were ministers and he comes over to us. And it was actually Lagos. We were in Lagos Island where all the honeymooners go. That's right. So we were in this restaurant on a Sunday night. We went in there after we finished up all ministry. And we were the only two people. There was, the, there was only two tables in the restaurant that was set up. And Kathy and I with the pastors and another couple were there. And there was another guy on the other side. And the guy walked over and he says, he says, Will my sin affect my children? I said, yes, sir, it will. He said, well, I'm th that's not my wife. That's my girlfriend that's over here. And we're from, we're from India. And, and he says, I, I just needed to know, will my sin affect my children? And I said, yes, it will. Because how many know as guardians of the house, we're to keep the hedge up for our families. We're to teach them the laws of God. We're to teach them the ways of God. And listen very carefully. We're the ones that brought them into the world. So it's our responsibility, not somebody else's responsibility, to raise them up in the fear of God, raise them up in the ways of God, teach them his word, teach them his standards, teach them what you believe and why you believe it, and then experience what it is that we believe in a day-by-day -day basis. So I said, sir, my word to you is to repent of your sin and get back to your wife and be faithful so you can have an example for your child to fall. Because that area of weakness in your life is going to carry on to your generations, but it's not going to stay weakness. It's going to be stronger and stronger in the generations to come. Let's go back to that verse in Exodus over there. But I do not excuse the guilty. And we don't want to talk about this in church today, but it's amazing. You go to a medical doctor, and we have them all over this here church today. You can go to them, and they'll do a blueprint about your physical areas of your life. Was there ever diabetes in your family? Was there ever cancer in your family? Was there ever this there? And they ask you all those areas inside of your life. But they, because they, they're, they're what? They're trying to diagnose it from the physical because something generationally can be passed down. In the same respect, spirits can also be passed down. 
into the area of your soul and into your body. Come on. But we don't want to talk about that. That's why it's very important that when you bring your offering, the Bible says, if you remember there that your brother has ought against you, don't even go and worship until you first resolve the issue. And then come and offer. Come on. Why? Because listen, listen, listen. I have seen bitterness transferred generationally. And you trace a lot of the racial issues, a lot of the wars in nations today. It's of the same people groups, come on, that hate one another because of an unresolved conflict that never got there. And, and the next generation, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. As a matter of fact, there's many of you that are in this here room today that have suffered in the area with sexual areas and weaknesses in there. Where you're weak to resist in these here areas. And the Bible tells us the curse of illegitimacy affects even up to 10 generations. But aren't you glad when you entered into a blood covenant with the Son of God, you can break the generational curses, you can break the generational ties, you can break the fears, you can break the intimidation, you can break the hatred, you can break the depression, you can break the fear of man, you can break the fear of failure, you can break every chain, you can break the disease, you can break the hatred, you can break, 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 break every work that the flesh would bring to your mind. One more thing, and Des is coming up. God descended in the cloud and took up his position there beside him. And he called out the name God. God passed in front of him and called out God, God. God of mercy, God of grace, endlessly patient, so much love, so deeply true, so loyal in love for a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, still he doesn't ignore. But as long as you, listen very carefully, don't know God, are not acquainted with this God, personally spend time with this God, hear his heart, that his heart becomes your heartbeat, then you'll be just like this kid says. met someone who did not know the character of God. It's really easy to tell. You know, they just don't know what to believe. They flip-flop, going back and forth with every decision, or they have difficulty stepping out in faith because they really don't believe that the word applies to them. Two such individuals came into my restaurant yesterday afternoon. Bon appetit, ladies. Thank you. Okay, so I am going to have the chicken Alfredo, but I really feel for a salad as well. Okay, actually, all entrees do come with a garden salad or a Caesar salad. Really? Mm -hmm. Oh, hmm. so what would you like? I'm not sure. Well, I'm ready. I'll have the veal parmesan, please. Okay, would you like soup or salad? Soup, please. Are you ready to order, ma'am? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the chicken Alfredo. But I really, really feel for a salad as well. Yes, well, all entrees do come with a salad. Are you sure? Yes, it says right here in your menu. Oh, oh you know, I, I think I'd like to have the steak instead. Okay, um, would you like potatoes or fries? Potatoes, please. Baked or mashed? Baked. 
maybe mashed with mashed. Oh, that's a good good, good. And have you decided now? Yes, definitely going to go with the chicken Alfredo. <laughs> but gosh, do I really feel like having a salad. Kim, it says right here, entrees come with the salad. Yeah, but what if it's wrong? Can I speak to your manager, please? Yeah, I would like to discuss my order with the manager. Okay. Thank you. You make that fries, please? But Kim, I can't believe you. What? I have to be sure. But it's written right here. All entrees come with a salad. But what if it's a misprint? It oh, could please. be a misprint. Or maybe there's some fine print on here that we're just not seeing. Or perhaps I have to order something else. Or maybe it only applies on certain days or certain times of the day during the week. Or maybe the salad only applies to certain people. Oh, oh what if it's a discount, like a senior's discount? If it's a senior's discount, then it definitely doesn't apply to me because I'm not a senior. Ah, oh. you know, yeah, I should look into that. Darn it. The manager will be out shortly. Thank you. Okay. Uh, can, can I make a slight change to my order, please? You know, I really, really like this sweet and sour chicken with fried rice. Ooh, that sounds really, really good. Yeah. Uh, aren't you going to write that down? Okay. Let me get this straight. You would like the sweet and sour chicken with fried rice and not the steak and fries and not the veal with soup? That's correct. Yeah. Good. Okay, so let me get this straight. If I order the chicken Alfredo, you will bring me a salad? She's gone. Yes. Okay, so like if I ask for the chicken, I will get a salad from you. You will bring it to me. Yes. And you won't give it to anybody else? No. Oh, don't be silly. Now look, she's going to have the chicken Alfredo with the salad. Okay. And, ooh, I'm going to have this lasagna with garlic cheese bread. <laughs> that look great. You know what, I really don't think, I don't think I can trust this menu. We should probably eat somewhere else. Oh, well, okay, well, well how about Taco Bell? Uh, okay. Or, or no, maybe McDonald's. All right, but really? make up your mind, because I'm oh. so hungry. Okay. I hope they have salad. Yeah. McDonald's, oh. McDonald's, and a fried chicken and pizza. That's the way a lot of Christians are in their faith. Questioning God, what God really meant that, did God really know that? I'm going to tell you, as we break bread, I want you to prepare. The ushers are going to prepare with you now. Your perception of God is huge. Listen to me as I say this here. The Bible says, and you can put that up, James chapter 1, 16. It says this here, do not err. Do not make a mistake about this. Don't make a mistake about what. Do not err about what. James 1, 16. Every good. Everybody say good. good. Now hang on. Every good and perfect gift cometh down. Apparently he's up. Come on. Heaven's up. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Look at it, says here. Look at it. Everybody say it. Come on. Every good gift and every perfect gift is where? It's not from below. Okay. It's from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. 
Look at the next verse. Look at, look, look at it goes right on. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now go back, if you will, to 17, verse 17, but put it in the new living up there when you can. I want you to see this is so amazing over here. Everybody say, come on. Whatever is good and perfect comes. Okay, so let me just, let me just say, if he's the good shepherd, then he's not a bad shepherd. I, I, I hate insurance policies that says all these calamities are acts of God. Because they're not the God of my salvation, the God of this world. Come on. But comes down, now, if you don't get this, if you don't get this, and you're not acquainted with this aspect of God's character, and you question, well, God, let me down. No, no, God never lets you down. Amen. Oftentimes, what lets you down is your self-sufficiency Amen. and your manipulation and your control because a lot of people put God in this little box and say, this is the way you're going to act, this is the way you're going to do, and if you don't do this by this day and this time and this very moment, then it's all over. I'm not going to follow you. No, when you're acquainted with someone, their heart becomes your heart. Their love and passion becomes your love and passion. Come on. And, and so when you're led, and Kathy has a whole message on this she's going to be sharing when we get together. When, when you're led by the Spirit, the number one thing you do is you listen to what He has to say, and you're not doing all the talking. Let me just say it. Most Christians I know are just flipping ignorant when it comes to their prayer because they do all the talking and never wait for God to speak. Please don't shut me down all that to say, ah, this is the prayer. And they pray in tongues for, that's real intimacy with God. Real intimacy is you open your heart to God and you come to him with thanksgiving for all the things he's done, which takes your focus off. Remember the password? It says in the Message Bible, Psalm 100, forget not the password, thank you. Um, how, many, how many know when we come in and we groan and we complain and we whine, why does all this bad stuff happen and all these here things? Listen, it's because we're not acquainted with God. We don't even know. We don't even know the thing that, 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 that opens up the very favor, opens up the very heart to God is gratitude for everything that he has done in spite of the situations you're in. You still have a mind you still have a heart. You still have emotions. You still have a body. You're still good looking. Come on now. He still made you in his image and likeness. You're still a new creation. You're still a champion. You're still an overcomer. You might be in a rut. You might be in a bump in the road, but you're still everything his word has to say. And he said, this is how you connect in to the will of God is by gratitude. Thanking me for what I've done. And I found out when you begin to thank God for everything he's done for you, the other things seem to become more insignificant in your life and you can now look at it from a different perspective with the mind of a champion a mind of an overcomer rather than the victim and overcomer okay let's go let, let's close wow wow okay are you ready for communion now here's what we're going to do at communion today the bible says when we dishonor the lord's body when we dishonor the lord's body now you can be married and in here today if you dishonor your wife and your wife dishonors you or you dishonor your kids or the kids got an attitude towards their mom or an attitude towards their dad, the Bible says what you do is you eat and you drink judgment upon yourself. And the Bible, listen, the Bible, this is all in 1 Corinthians 11. You can read it. And, and it says, for this reason, 
because of a dishonoring spirit. And by the way, the leadership meeting is not tonight. It's next Sunday night, okay? But a dishonoring spirit, listen very, a dishonoring spirit will release, will release premature death inside of your body as a New Testament believer. When you dishonor authorities, you dishonor government, you dishonor police, you dishonor the, the, the authorities and the structures that God has set up, dishonor pastors, think nothing of making roast to them, you actually release a premature death upon yourself. And here's another one. For this cause, many are sick. A dishonoring spirit will release sickness and open you up to the law of sin and death in your life. And I don't care how much of the words you quote. I'm going to tell you one other thing. When you dishonor God, even in your finances, you open yourself up in the same area. And we don't want to talk about that in the church because people will misuse or, or mistreat the money, and it's really not about the money. It's about the heart. But a dishonoring spirit, that's why it says honor God with the first, not left. Good preaching. A dishonoring spirit says because of this, many, put it up, 1 Corinthians 11, 32. Many are sick and many are weak. And many die prematurely before their time. Didn't say a few. So as we break bread today, a very serious time. Look what it says. Yet we are judged by the Lord. We are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. Keep going. Keep going down. Look at this here. So my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Keep coming, right with me. If you're really hungry, eat at home so you won't be judgment upon yourself about what you meet others. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. Go ahead. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question. Okay, we've got to back up, I think, five verses. 11, try 26. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. Okay. For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you're announcing the Lord's what? Death till he what? So what's he saying? The cross. Go on the next verse. So anyone who eats his bread or drinks his cup of the Lord unworthily is against sin, against the body, and the blood of the Lord. Go ahead. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread. And drink. I'm going to tell you something, church. You're pointing the finger at your brother and sister and always looking at their faults, always looking at them and ashamed of them and abusing them and putting them down. Come on. You're just, you're just totally missing the whole reason why we're here. We're to restore one another, not be the condemners of one another. Go ahead to the next verse, 29. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup, honoring the body. Everybody say, you're a part of that body. And here's what it means. Listen, listen, listen. The word dishonor means this, to put little value on one another. In other words, you got great value on this person, but you put little value on this one, and they're still a part of the body. That's why the Bible addresses the whole area about the rich and the poor and about being respecters of persons inside there. Every person is of great value to God. And until we see every person, including the little kids and the big kids and the teenagers, well, they're all that way, they're all that way. No, they're not all that way. And until we respect and we honor them, we're going to miss the whole purpose while we're here. It says, it says, for if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. The fools today say there's no judgment in the church world today. What Bible are you reading? Yak, ignorantly, you're going to get ignorant results. 
Go to the next verse. That is why. What's it say? Many of you are weak. What else? And some have even died. The context is prematurely. Weymouth and Williams bring that out. Go to the next verse. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Let's all stand as we look at that. So examine your slate right now. Examine your arm. Don't worry about your wife. Don't worry about your husband. Don't worry about your children. Sir, ma'am, focus in today about me. And focus in on this. Whatsoever is not a faith. Your confidence, your trust, your assurance in God. The one you're acquainted with. The one that you know. Whatever is not a faith, it's of sin. I've learned in 40 years that pain is real. And hurt is real. And I've learned that by faith, I have to forgive. By faith, I have to guard my heart. By faith, I have to love my enemies. By faith is the only way that Shamatero can live this life. And I've learned, listen very carefully, when I do that, I recognize there's a strength that comes. I recognize there's a help that comes. I recognize there's a peace that comes. And I recognize there's a joy that comes in knowing that not only is he willing, but he's able to work and be activated now inside of my life. I'm sensing strongly, prophetically today that there's several families that are in deep, severe hardships in the area of finances because of ongoing, and I'm hearing this here, it's not once in a while, it's ongoing strife in your relationship. And God's saying today, Squeeze her hand, squeeze his hand, whatever you got to do, and just say, it's a new day, and we're turning away from this and putting that junk out of our relationship now, and we're going to get rid of it, and we're going to see it as an adversary, we're going to see it as an enemy, and we are going to stand together against this thing in faith till this thing breaks off our life, because it's going to affect you, it's going to affect your children, it's going to affect grandchildren, it's going to affect generations to come. We cannot dwell. God says where there's envying and strife, you'll find confusion and every evil work. In other words, it's an invitation to the demonic to be open, to have an open door in your house. Come on in, steal my prosperity, steal my peace, steal my joy, steal every good thing that I have, steal my dignity, and release your shame, release your hatred, release your curse upon my life. That's what we do when we go down to the enemy's playing field. But WCF, I believe you're much wiser than that. I believe you're people today that are going to, how many say today this message hit me and I'm going to shut the door to hell's work in my life. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Just raise your hand and swing it at me real high. I want everybody just to keep swinging and look around you. Look around right now. Look around you. Just turn around and just look around the people right now. Wave your hand at me. Wave your hand. Say, I'm shutting the door to hell. I'm shutting the door to hell. Glory to God. Father, as we have the bread, release peace. Release your plan, release your purposes, and release the blockages in the spiritual veins, in the, in the spirit realm. Release those spiritual arteries that have been blocked this day by the choice that we're not going to fight with one another. We're going to fight against our real adversary on our knees, and we're going to command, and we're going to break every chain, every lie, every stronghold in our minds that goes contrary to the revealed will of God, because we know your very heart today. And you said, first be reconciled, and then go and worship. So God, we choose to be appliers, doers of the word, and apply it to our circumstance this day. Let us partake of the bread. There's five people in here that have such a root of self-hatred 
It's totally consuming your mind, your thoughts, and your emotions. It's consumed your waking moment and your closing moment. And there's been thoughts of suicide. There's been thoughts of self-destruction and harm and thoughts of running as far away as you possibly can. And in one moment, we're going to have you up here and, and, and you're going to come up and the teams, I want the teams to come down now and to prepare to pray. If all the department heads and leaders can be down there. And there's at least five that fit that category right now. This is the last ditch for your life. And you know what I'm talking about right now. It has so overwhelmed you. It's not just in the thought. It has become a mindset. It's become a stronghold because you've been, you've been saturated with this heaviness for long periods of time. And God is going to destroy that yoke off your life today. Father, as we have this cup, we're reminded of what you did for every one of us. And God, we want to be men that are acquainted with you, that know you. We want to come, Lord, to trust you we want to come to keep our confident expectation of hope alive before you. And we want to surrender to the obedience and be led by your spirit in every way in detail in life. That together we can connect with the master plan of heaven. Let us partake of this cup this day.